Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 319. On this episode, we've got some cancellation and renewal news. I think there's some cancellation news in there. Yeah, there is. Uh, and then we'll be t- discussing the fourth season premiere of Orphan Black and recent episodes of The Hundred, The Blacklist, Jane the Virgin, and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Plus, we've got some TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 319. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com. I'm Ray from Rayleigh.com, I guess. And joining us today... I am Scott, a.k.a. Scotty Gunn on Twitter. Thank you for joining us, Scott. Hi, Scott. Hey, happy to be here. As the second in our April Listener Month, Carl was on last week, and we've got Suki from the UK is going to be, he's going to be joining us, so we have an international listener coming on the podcast next week, so. Where are you from, Scott? I'm from Clearwater, Florida. (laughs) You're not very far away, then. (laughs) So, all right. All right. We will jump right into the news. First up in TV news of shows I had never heard of before is Bounce TV has renewed Family Time for a third season, In the Cut for a second, Man and Wife for a third, and Saints and Sinners for a second. What is Bounce TV? Is that an actual station? (laughs) It's actually a broadcast network. There's a local affiliate in my area. Wow. I've never even heard of it. (laughs) I've heard of Bounce TV, and I think I had heard of Saints and Sinners, but not necessarily that it was on Bounce TV. But yeah, they have apparently a handful of actual scripted programming Hmm. on the network. So, Uh, By the way... In the Cut is not based on my favorite uh, Jane Campion movie from 2003. Yes, it's it's more of a barbershop type of show. Well, that title's a little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, Family Time is about a family that wins the lotto and, moves, what? and basically moves on up. And uh, uh, Saints and Sinners is about like a small church in the South, the people in and around it. So, yeah, there's there's that. And then Bravo has renewed Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce for three more seasons. So you'll be getting a third, fourth, and fifth season of the show. I don't know if I can take it. So that's, you know, at least another 30 episodes of that show. Do they only do 10 a season? No. Maybe it's 12. Is it 12? So maybe it's another another 36 episodes of... uh, I feel like I stopped watching this season. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I Well, actually... It just gets to be too much. I never started this season. Like, I watched the first season. I liked the first season. And when the second season rolled around, I was... There was just too many other things that I was just like... I started recording it, and then after it got to, you know, a few it's episodes... 13 there, episodes a season. Huh. So 39 more episodes we got. <laughs> and yeah, just never... Never jumped back into the second season. Just uh, finally deleted it off the DVR and canceled the recording since I wasn't Good watching decision. it. <laughs> just, uh, you got to pare down somewhere. There's plenty of shows that fall into that category of I kind of like it. It's kind of enjoyable. And under a decade ago circumstances, probably would continue to watch it. But now there's just no time. 
I hear that. Well, it's going to be there for three more seasons, so you can always come back <laughs> you to can it. Always, so. always come back. And then in the sort of cancellation news, Louis C.K. announced that Horace and Pete will end after the one season that it had. Apparently, it got pretty good reviews for people that did check it out, but it also cost a lot of money to make and didn't quite make all that money back, at least as of now. So, TV hmm. TV's expensive to make. I haven't even seen that show. Well, it was only off of his website or whatever. You had to go oh. to the website and purchase it per episode to be able to watch it. So, it was sort of his kind of experiment of taking what he's done with like his own comedy specials and sold them online and doing his FX show where he does everything and then sort of doing that, but then putting it out for sale uh, on his own. And apparently it didn't quite take off, even though it got good reviews and stuff like that. It's a whole nother place to find something and have to go to that specific thing. It's not like you could go pop up Hulu or Netflix or something that you may already have. Or So it, it there is an impediment even for people that might be interested in it to get to something like that. But I applaud him for trying something. Uh, and then lastly in the news, uh, Netflix has renewed F is for Family for a second season. Uh, so if you enjoyed the first season, you're going to get another season. For those that like adult animated series. What did you guys think of that show? One of the shows that I never watched. <laughs> just never got around to checking out. What is this show? It's an animated comedy on Netflix. F is for family. I have not seen any of it, obviously. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a, an opinion about what I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, well, I think Kyle liked it, but I don't watch a lot of the animated shows anyways. So... Not really in my wheelhouse to begin with. Hmm. So, Scott, you you said you uh, watched F is for Family? I, I liked it. I've been a fan of Bill Burr's uh, stand-up comedy for a while. And I always like it when, when Bill Burr shows up on like uh, somebody else's podcast, too. He's really funny. But I thought that the, the comedy was just a little like generic. Like, for instance, like it's supposed to be like biographical or semi-biographical based on his experience growing up but they kind of set the, the this this cartoon family in a generic post-vietnam city when they could have like set it in like boston or new england and got a little more like comedy like mileage you know based on bill's stand-up but th i think that they didn't do that because they they're making the show for an international audience i checked today and the show is is being produced not just in english but in italian german and uh, French and Spanish, because you know the animation the animation company is Galmont International, so they, they they must be distributing the show internationally. Unfortunately, I think the comedy suffers a little bit because of that. But are you happy to see it back for a second season? Yeah, I'll definitely watch it. All right, it's one that you know I may check it out, just because sooner or later I usually try and at least check out most everything. But uh, like I said before. The animated stuff is not, uh, for whatever reason, is is not my favorite. So that's why I haven't gotten to that one yet. But with that, that'll do it for the news. Uh, although uh, I got the email that said that TV Times 3 is now live in Google Play Music. So if you are an Android phone user and happen to use 
Google Play Music, you should now be able to find podcasts within the app, and you can also subscribe to TV Times 3 in that now. So that's a little bit of news as well. And with that, we'll jump into the primetime segment. Primetime. <laughs> Sorry, I'm no Amory. <laughs> First up, Jane the Virgin, Season 2, Episode 17, Chapter 39. And uh, we'll start. We'll start with you, Ray. What are you thinking about? I thought you were pausing, like there was more to the title. <laughs> no, just just good old chapter thirty-nine. I don't know. It was an enjoyable episode. I guess it was a little harsh there at the end. I mean, it felt like it came a little out of nowhere with the twin what sister? was happening with Zoe. <laughs> well, the twin sister too, but that storyline doesn't bother me so much. No, no, I meant the harshness of... Yeah. Yeah. More just so because they've been so in sync this season and not... We've had hints before that, obviously, Zoe wasn't the the best, most stable mother (laughs) Um, or that she had, you know, things going on, whatever. But it felt weird that it just came all of a sudden and um, I don't know. But overall, I enjoyed the episode. I liked the hijinks of the various parties. I loved how it was kind of flipped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah how, he, how Michael got basically what Jane would have preferred, uh, or at yes. least what she said she preferred. I did like that text exchange between Michael and Jane where he was like, don't you mean you got the night that you wanted, you just didn't want your mom to be there? Right. <laughs> and not that she really wanted like this totally low key night. So that was kind of interesting. How about you, Scott? What did you think of all the bachelor, bachelorette party hijinks? I, I loved it. Um, I think the show's at its best when uh, they focus on the main characters or the primary characters. I love Rogelio and, and, and Michael and, uh, and Ziramaro and Jane have really good chemistry too. Um, and the sweet lady Jane segment, uh, or hallucination was hilarious. And I liked how like they, they showed us like, you know, how, how Jane pictured it in her head and then showed us what was actually happening. And, and the, and both of them were hilarious. Uh, and, um, I'm just hoping that the way they've set up Jane and Michael now that they don't like pull the rug out from under the audience again like they, they they seem to be on such a great like chemistry and path. Uh, I hope that the writers could figure out a way to keep it funny and dramatic without like uh, throwing us the curveballs like they usually do. And I can't think of anything more annoying than dueling Petras, especially if one of them's got a bad Eastern European accent. I mean, I feel like they would have a hard time. Like they've really like sold the Jane and Michael, like they'd have to go with the something happens to Michael to kind of break up that to me right now. Like, because they really sold how they really get along, how they really understand each other, how they like, they really pushed hard on that. Um, so I would have a hard time seeing something come between them at the moment. Um, so I feel like you're probably, I think you're safe in the, I don't think that that's going to happen. Anytime soon, I hope. Knock on some wood. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I'm shipping for Michael. I feel like I have no choice but to ship for Michael. Yeah, it kind of feels like, I mean, there's that 
possibility that the show could, but I think you're right, Ray, though. The way that they, I mean, even like the little scene that I mentioned of the text exchange, it shows how sort of in sync they are, how well they they seem to know each other and, and where they're at right now, that it would be a huge, it'd be like a huge rug to be pulled out from underneath the audience. But then that's also where these types of shows or the shows that, you know, they're basing this off of, you know, tend to go. While I wasn't necessarily when you got the reveal of the out of nowhere twin sister, that was like, a almost like, okay, now we're going, now we're going too far almost or something, except that I really liked how well they showed it on screen that they did a good job of, making you think that Petra was uh, about to, you know, skedaddle, but really you were seeing. Well, it's funny. Cause I was actually think- thinking through the whole thing. Like, God, I don't, I feel like Petra would never do this to her hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like her hair would never look like this. Like she would maybe run away, but I feel like she could never like try and change herself that way. So I'm actually kind of glad that the reveal was that, because in my head I was thinking, okay, now that makes more sense to me. <laughs> Just because she's she's too too Petra to do that to herself. Like I can absolutely even, see her maybe getting away, but yeah, even even with the uh, with the postpartum, she still wouldn't completely change her appearance and throw on a sweatshirt and go go for a bus ride. Correct. Well, I don't even understand why she would have to do that to make it work anyway. So in some ways it does make more sense to me that, I mean, heaven forbid I should think that a surprise twin makes more sense than something else, but. <laughs> On this show, it kind of does. So, yeah, it'll be fun to see where that goes. I don't, I'm not really, I don't care either way as far as the Petra storyline goes. So I guess it's just taking it, you know, the next step of being whatever i guess it sort of makes sense out there that she had twins and so i guess there's a... that is true the show actually does a good job of like kind of laying the groundwork in a way that you wouldn't expect like it does retroactively make you go oh okay i mean that's not really why like we would assume initially that it was because of the in vitro but in vitro i don't know how to say it anyway although you know if if twins also runs in the family or whatever, it could be an extra reason for something like that to happen. But it ends up sort of flowing nicely that <laughs> on this show, they do pay attention to the details. And they, I mean, they, yeah, they have to with the way that they have things going all the time. But I just, uh, you know, continue to look forward to the show each week. And it sounds like both of you are as well. Yep. CW shows have been so all over the place with their number of episodes this season. Are they going to full 22 with Jane the Virgin? Or are they only going 20? Or I thought they had a 22. Is that how many they had last season? Yeah, I think so. Is this the third season? The second season? I'm losing my mind. The second season. <laughs> I think it's the same order. Um, according to IMDb, they only have 19 episodes this season. Less is definitely more. According to EP guides, they're going to have 22. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> they must just not have... Uh, yeah, they have it uh, May 16th is the season finale. So, looks like there's... Oh, maybe IMDb just doesn't have all of the episodes have them in all, ep- Have them all uh, listed yet. So, yeah, so we got uh, five more 
five more episodes to see where things go uh, with Jane the Virgin. And with that, we'll move on to the next show on the list, which is DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Ray doesn't watch, but Scott really wanted to talk about the, this episode. I did watch this episode. You but did end up watching this I'm episode. I'm still not a good one to talk about it, though, so go, go on. I appreciate that you, you tuned in for it. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm ambivalent on Legends of Tomorrow, although I am a fan of the Berlantiverse in general. Um, I watch Arrow and The Flash, and, and I've, I've watched every episode of Legends so far. Um, I think it's at its best when it's just uh, crazy. And this was definitely one of their, their crazier episodes. They go to the Old West. They meet Jonah Hex. They, they put on some crazy outfits. They get in some gunfights and some barroom brawls. And really, you couldn't ask for, like, 45 minutes of more quality broadcast television, as far as I'm concerned. The show can lag a bit. Like, I, I they have, like, you know, uh, Victor Garver. I'm not a big fan. And Arthur Darvel plays Rip Hunter. And and uh, even the guy, uh, um, Franz Dromain, who, who plays the, the other half of Firestorm. They're what I like to call the insufferables. Uh, but um, I don't know. Uh, it's a, the show itself is, just a, is a chance for uh, the producers to really dive into the, into the DC Comics back catalog and dig up villains and characters that nobody's ever heard of in 30 years. And as, as an old like DC Comics geek, I have to, uh, to love it for that. So, yeah. And, I, and, you know, when she first showed up on Arrow and before, uh, I, I didn't like Katie Lott so much, but she's really grown on me. And I think that uh, her her character, Sarah Lance, is, is, is really got a chance to develop on this show. Legends of Tomorrow has become sort of a show that I sort of, I mean, I enjoy like the episodes and, the, you know, because they tend to have more on the fun side uh, of things a lot of the times, even though they're. You know, they're hunting a person that's going to end the world. But an episode like this was a lot of fun. But it also was like, oh, we just need to hide out. So we're going to go to the Old West and they have all this fun. And then, you know, the three hunters show up and then they basically dispatch of them like that. And but when they they, but, but that's but that was the whole reason they were running. And I was like, so they were they were trying to hide because. He tells them that they they're gonna send you know these three that are even worse than uh, you know than he was after them and and then they just pretty much kill them off instantaneously only to find out that that means that they're gonna send somebody even worse and now that they have to for me going into this I thought it was gonna be a much shorter run I didn't know that they were gonna do sixteen episodes and I think that's way too many. Because there's too many filler episodes where, guess what? They're not going to get him. (laughs) This episode, you know it's not going to work out. And so it's been fun having them go and play around in these different time periods and stuff and and seeing what they've done there. But the whole time travel bit and stuff, things in this episode that I found interesting were stuff like, no, don't go out there. We can't. We don't want to change things. And then everybody sets about to change things, uh, including I'm blank, Victor Garber's character. I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden in the show. But Dr. Uh, Stein. Yeah, Dr. Stein decides to save the little boy who turns out to be, oh, look at that. 
It's H.G. Wells. <laughs> and so they, they're doing those type of time things where they end up doing things that are creating the time that they came from. Uh, and so that, that whole time loopy type of weird stuff where you were living in a time frame where such and such had happened, but now you go back in time and then by happenstance create the thing, you know, that had you not been there, it wouldn't have happened. And so, yeah, it just... That type of stuff with the time travel things, it it messes with my head. <laughs> but I, I, I enjoyed this episode, though, as a as sort of a one-off of them in the Old West. Like you said, we got we got bar fights, we got a showdown at high noon, and all the all the things that would come from playing around with that sort of uh, a time period. But overall, you know, they hint at you know, like next week is now which I found is an interesting thing. Okay, so the worst person that they send after somebody that is messing around with time or whatever is they send somebody out to end you in your past uh, so that you have so you will have never existed. And I'm like, that seems super contrary to what they're all about, doesn't it? Is to yeah. just, all of a sudden they're just going to go out and end eight, nine people in the past and they'll have never... So they'll never have been around to to go on this mission in the first place. That seems to be a completely extreme measure for what they're all about. Although the Time Masters being sort of outside or whatever, the whole thing of them never wanting to get involved, even though they know that the destruction of the world is coming, is a bizarre thing, <laughs> this whole thing, too. So I don't know. Anytime they start playing around with time, you know, it starts to, uh, I don't know. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it within this because like you said it's in the Berlanti universe and so they have to be so careful to not do something that would change the other shows you know too much. Yeah, you mentioned that on last week's uh, episode uh, of the podcast. Well, I could care less about uh, Rip Hunter and his wife and his family or the future world that's going to be destroyed or Vandal Savage. Um the shows that it's best when it's just having fun. And hopefully, like, next year, they'll, um, if they do get a second year, they'll uh, be more procedural and less serial uh, with their big impending, like, storylines. So far, a lot of times within, you know, even on Arrow or stuff, sometimes their big bads have not been the best. And so far, that's sort of been the case with Vandal Savage. It's not been sort of the best big bad I don't know. I, I kind of like you said. Don't really hope they end up saving the world, but mostly just like watching them uh, get into trouble in various things, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, turning into you know winged creatures and flying fire, <laughs> and, and a guy in a metal suit, you know, in the old west, you know, and as the the town people flee uh, for the big battle in the street. That, that type of stuff that uh, is just uh, fun. But speaking of fun, how about this week's episode of The Blacklist? Uh, season 3, episode 18, Mr. Solomon, The Conclusion. So, Ray, is she dead? Here's what I wrote on my piece of paper when I was making little notes about what each of this episode was about. I wrote, Elizabeth, quote-unquote, dies. I mean, I would totally praise the show if she was dead. 
However, there are a lot of little hints there that make me think he's he's faking it out for her sake. Like the look on his face when things are happening and when she says she wishes they could just go away to whatever to I don't know, she said a beach or something. I can't remember what she said. So those little moments that were happening that later on to the fact that he actually said, I don't want her in the morgue, all of those little things made me wonder, um, just like the, the drug to induce a coma, which, as we've seen overplayed on the faking a death, the drug to induce, <laughs> make it seem like somebody's dead. I don't know for a fact, um, and I would applaud the show either way. Like, if she's actually dead, I would actually applaud the show for going there. Um, I mean, that would make yet another female death in the past couple of weeks, but I don't really think that, that they are. I mean, I don't know how they'll come back from that, but I feel like she's not actually dead. It's just a gut feeling. I mean, not to say that it was still a very emotional moment, actually. <laughs> One of the things I love about this show is how they'll use music sometimes. So, like, in the actual birth scene when they were using the... <laughs> And I can't remember if that was, that might have been last week, and I apologize if it was, like where they use like the upbeat music, whatever. It was, that was a very moving moment. And then Red's just reaction to everything that was happening was pretty moving for me. So, I mean, I thought it was a really good episode, but I don't think she's dead. How about you, Scott? I'm pretty sure that he's her father. Well, sure. Um, but um, as far as uh, whether she's dead or alive, uh, what I think's going on is that. Um, although the possibility of a blacklist uh, without Elizabeth Keene intrigues me a great deal. Um, I think what's going on is that she and the doctor are running a con on Red to try and get away from him. Um, so I don't think Red's in on it. Um, but uh, they already established uh, in a future episode, they've had that doctor as a recurring character this season. And uh, they've kind of established that he doesn't like being under Red's thumb either. And they're kind of... Um, kindred spirits in that regard and i think that the, the doctor's helping elizabeth get away from red by faking her death um how do you think they organized that though i think the doctor is in on it and red doesn't know because it's mr kaplan that has set it all up there's a scene where she tells red you made all of us think that you could keep her safe and you can't and then also when he goes in to talk to her she kicks him out and then she goes in to talk to her, but it's a TV conversation that happens that you don't get to hear. They're in there chatting. We don't know what they're chatting about. I say they're chatting about, hey, Elizabeth, I got this idea of how to get you both away from red for a bit and out from under the people that are hunting you. Or, you know, whoever's... Maybe, but this show always makes red the... I mean, I would actually applaud them, okay, if Red is not in on it, because, but they always make Red. Well, I don't think he's in on it because it's his reaction to her dying. I know, but if he thinks that he's sending her away and he's never going to really be able to see her again because the whole point of this is to cause it uh, so that she's no longer connected to him. Uh, no, I still, no, the whole fainting into the car and all of that stuff. All, all, a lot of his reaction to it, there's not enough other people around for it to be something that he's just doing to sell that she's actually dead. I think it, it's too... His reaction seemed His reaction seemed more genuine, uh, even though we know that he can put on 
different types of things that this whole scene too much uh, with not enough people around to like, who is he? Is he trying to convince the doctor? But the doctor probably had to be in on it. Is he trying to convince, you know, I think he's trying to convince the people who are watching who want her. Yeah. Except that nobody can see inside the van except for the one agent, you know, standing at the back of the, uh, of the thing. And then they, you know, they, they take her off. I mean, that's an assumption on your part. I don't, I think red tends to not assume that, but I also don't think what was happening inside the van was for anybody's benefit, but his, because if he arranged it, he does see this as I will no longer ever be able to see her again, because that's what I think he's arranging here. So I would believe he's still having that reaction to it. I just took it as there's no way that she's dead because part of what they've set this show up on is the relationship between the two and what their connection is and all that type of stuff. And if all of a sudden they kill her off and then in an episode they just have Red, like, tell the story of (laughs) what the connection was so that everybody knows and then they go about, that seems like a bizarre thing to do. So I don't really buy that she's dead. Uh, and like I said, I think that uh, the way the reaction and things went down, I think that uh, he actually thinks she's dead. And I think we'll also see like what his reaction is in the next episode and based on his actions and how he, whatever, whoever he goes after will show whether, I don't know exactly how much uh, he believes it or what have you. But overall, I thought it was a good episode, somewhat uh, it just, uh, the whole thing happening there at the end, I, the whole time I was just like, nah, this isn't really happening. Nah, <laughs> this, this isn't really happening. Uh, she's just going on maternity leave. <laughs> she's, uh, and so this is one of those times where sometimes the outside knowledge of what's going on it ruins your vision of what's actually going on on the TV show. But, Scott, what do you think of this whole potential spinoff idea oh god i i'm pretty spinoff averse i mean uh better call Saul is one thing but there's only one james spader so if if, if spader's going to be in the spinoff then then maybe but uh otherwise i don't know is spader going to be sure why the there has to be a spinoff <laughs> i mean and i'm not saying that to you guys i'm saying yeah. <laughs> you guys need to answer me why did no i'm just kidding I, I just don't really – I would love to – I don't have a problem seeing another show from these writers, which I think we've already kind of seen. But, like um, – and I guess I can kind of see using this universe so that they can have the crossovers, right? And that actually might intrigue me. But I like I like the folks behind the scenes on this show. Like, I really like this show. I like where they tend to go with things. So I wouldn't mind seeing another show from them and even kind of in the same world, I guess. Um, I don't know that I need it to be a spinoff, and I don't understand who. What are they spinning off? Are they still introducing that later? Is that what a? There's a character that's going to show up here in the next. Okay, so we haven't met the character, so I guess I can't really comment on the. I guess the potential is that they were in the car, but, you know, uh, that that hired uh, Mr. Solomon. That's that's one possibility, but yeah, ultimately you haven't seen them on screen yet. But you'll they'll get introduced here in the next. Cause okay. There's only. There's only four more episodes, I think, or whatever. So they'll get introduced here, and and then I guess we'll see like who exactly they are and what their deal is and what they'll be going after or doing or 
what the potential spinoff would be. Yeah, I'm with Ray. Like, I like the team that put this show together. Um, I think that I would like to see them do something else, but TV can be way too derivative. I'd rather them, like, you know, find a new original idea and work on that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. always a, that's always a good way to go. But I'm always willing to see like what it is, like uh, see what the episode is, what they're planning, sure, and, like, and whether it, it turns out to be interesting. If it's a really if it, interesting character, if it turns out not to be interesting. And people don't really seem to like the character and what happens uh, in those episodes, then it probably won't become a spinoff, you know? So it's sort of in that, you know, that backdoor pilot type of idea. So, you know, I don't know. It, it could be fun, depending on what they set up, to also have, you know, the potential that a character from one show could end up helping on another show or things could collide or what have you with the, what they're doing. But uh, I'm not sure if I care about anybody, but red though on another, (laughs) maybe, uh, I mean like red's crew. I kind of like, um, yeah, I actually had this idea for a spinoff show. Um, it would be basically like red Reddington storytell, like storytelling (laughs) hour or red Reddington's campfire stories where you just like sit down with James Bader, like by a fire and he just like goes off on those like ten minute monologues the way he does. <laughs> it reminds me that... of that one time when I was in such and such some exotic locale, and he goes into the story. Uh... See that? I would watch that. <laughs> Sounds like a fan. Could they just do that podcast. as a web series? Because yeah, right. I would watch that. Yeah, or a podcast. Nice That'd be podcast. great. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, well, we'll see what happens with the blacklist uh, in the next few episodes, and. Whether the spinoff ends up being a good idea or not, we'll have to see. And we'll move on to the next show on the list, which is The 100, Season 3, Episode 11, Nevermore. And uh, we'll start with you, Scott. What uh, did you think of this episode and where we've gotten to here in Season 3? Where we've gotten to. I mean, we started out with basically like a, like a Battlestar Galactica analog. And now it's something closer to like Xena Warrior Princess or maybe uh, Beastmaster. <laughs> um, I still love it either way. Uh, but um, this is probably one of my favorite episodes of the season and, and favorite episodes to date. Um, we've introduced so many different factions uh, in the show, but they, they kind of uh, circled back and reestablished the original hundred as the primary faction. And they got, most of those are, are, are mains, like, back together in the same place. They got them on the same page. You know, uh, it was Monty's storyline was pretty dark. Uh, but that's the way the 100 rolls. And <laughs> I liked it. And I liked the way that, the, you know, for probably the – on one of very few occasions in the show's history, they actually ended the episode, like, on an upbeat for once. Everybody's united and ready to go kick ass. And I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I definitely like that the sort of the core group was finally sort of back together since they've been all uh, split up most of the season. Uh, how about you, Ray? What did you think of uh, this episode and where we've gotten to now? Yeah, I would definitely agree with the, which I've been, I think, saying when I've been podcasting that, um, I mean, the show is still my favorite show and um, I've actually loved every episode, but um, I mean... I don't love when they kill people, but you know what I mean. (laughs) 
But I really am glad to see here the coming back together of these core folks that I've kind of missed their interactions with each other. Of course, their interactions right now are just awful, but (laughs) it's okay because that's what I would expect. If nothing else, I actually was kind of, and it took me a minute to remember that Clark actually did see Bellamy after the massacre. So um, at first I was like, why is she not more upset? And then I was like, oh, wait, she's already, (laughs) they've already had this out. So I agree that I'm glad to see them back. I'm glad that that seems to be where we're going for at least a little while here, that it's going to be about pretty focused on them as a group working together again, which should be interesting since they are not in sync like they have been previously. Like they're kind of closer to how they were when they landed on the ground where everybody is kind of at odds, even though they are united in one way, they're kind of working through their issues with each other. Uh, yes, it was very like oh, Monty's scene with his mom. That was just a rough. It was just rough. Um, and I know that, that I don't quite understand why he couldn't just knock her out. But uh, I guess in the situation where she has the the sword, I I get it. But it's still kind of going to be tough for him, and he's one of my favorites, so it, it's hard. Yeah, especially with his later, you know, after they save Raven, and he's like, "Oh, I could have saved my mother." You're right. The the, exactly. The only thing that sort of bothered me about that is while they hadn't actually done it, they were on a mission to get something to try and save Raven. So there was the possibility that it could have. But then after what happens, he just sort of locks into the it wasn't her. You know, she was she yeah, was I think gone. He's mostly using it as an excuse. Uh, and to, then, not an excuse. And but then comes a back to the yeah, then comes back to the realization that, uh, you know, this worked, and so now they need to figure out how to, you know, recreate the this type of thing. Since uh, to be able to save the rest of uh, the rest of their people that have all been taken over. Yeah, I don't know. It's very. I mean, the whole like AI in them seeing through the eyes, like that whole thing, is kind of surreal. I mean, I actually really like that. That's where we finally gotten with Ali because I, as I've previously said. <laughs> That storyline was doing nothing for me, and now I'm way more interested in it now. And I do like that they did have to worry about, like, every time they were moving her or doing something with her, I was like, just cover her eyes! What's going on? <laughs> Why are you letting her see? <laughs> yeah, like, well, how about a blindfold? <laughs> that could be helpful. Right. Well, I mean, I can appreciate that initially, like, they don't really quite know what's going on because nobody... In that group of them, Jasper was the only one who was paying attention to what was going on with the Jaha and everything else. So, like, I do kind of like that the whole Alley Jaha movement, like, just kind of moved quietly through without them realizing, you know what I mean, while they were focused on Pike and how Pike was reacting, this whole other thing was happening and nobody was paying attention to it and they just took over the camp. (laughs) Anyway, and they clearly are the bigger threat. Um, I also wanted to just say that I thought... Clark's moment there was pretty both moving and I think probably gratifying to some of the fans to finally see her kind of have that moment where she's like, please don't like she didn't want him to uh, destroy it because of Lexa, not because of any other reason, which actually works a lot better for me to think that that's why she initially wanted to take it and make sure it went to the right person and that it didn't go into. I can't remember that the, the, person who's trying to take command right now 
Artie can't remember her name. Yes. Which, like I said, that makes more sense to me why Clark would be as invested in, I mean, yes, about saving her people, but also about preserving what little bit of Lexa that is left. Yeah, because they don't know that that might be the key until they save Raven, and then Raven, with all the stuff that right. she's found out, knows why they're, you know, why she's looking for that. And so now exactly. they have another reason to have not destroyed it. Uh, but yeah, at the time, she's like... But I, I did like in this episode is we found out more about exactly how while it makes the people start forgetting things, all those things are still there and Allie has access to them. And so she was using like now everybody that's like jacked into the system as information to try and, you know, mess with everybody's heads uh, and, uh, you know, use information that, you know, Raven wouldn't know, but. Right and, and stuff, and so that was that was interesting to see uh, as as well, and so it definitely puts them in an interesting spot because now they know that somehow that AI can defeat the other one, but they're not necessarily yeah they have no idea not what necessarily to necessarily sure exactly how it can do it <laughs> and Lincoln's dead, so it's not like they know of the other person who is compatible with the yeah they and they still need to find that other person if they're going to try and put it into uh somebody else cuz i mean cuz we're not sh- i mean we're not sure i mean from based on the grounder religion and the way things have worked uh it seems that the 2.0 version only will go into somebody with the black blood uh, I'm assuming that they tried it the other way and it didn't work. So yeah, they're I think looking. It's a big it. assumption, but yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's what I'm assuming at at this point. And so, but we've seen that the chips that they've put into all these other people, they you know they uh, seem to be able to to be taken over. Uh, I'm. Well, what I would question is because the the lady, why can't I think of the name, Erica Sarah, as not Allie. <laughs> Like when she was in the spaceship, um, she put it in her and it survived. So like it, it's not clear to me that they have to have that blood or if she like, I don't know if they truly tried it or if she has just told them that they need to have it. So I'm not totally convinced yeah. that that has to happen. But yes, obviously right now, as far as like Clark knows, they need to have the black blood. Yeah. So, so which I assume is some oil base, something, some. That's what I think of it as anyway. <laughs> Some sort of mutation that's happened to a small percentage of the population over time. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm way more invested in the whole AI storyline now. Uh, it finally got somewhere. I mean, we finally got where it made it interesting a couple episodes ago. But now with the full takeover, I am interested to see uh, if they give one of – like, uh, are they going to start uh, – are the Arcadia people are gonna they gonna start trying to find grounders and jacking more people into it like, or what exactly is because it seems that she wants to fill that fake world, you know the the quote unquote city of light with you know lots of people. Uh, so I'm interested to see like where that uh, uh, where that group goes. But it looks is it like- really filling them with people or just getting the information from those people? Something I can't. I mean, she makes it seem like it's with it's them. filling it with their information, you know, a facsimile that looks like them, but it's all digital. Uh, you know, right. they're 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 gone. I get. I guess technically, their you know their consciousness or whatever has been uploaded to the system. 
even though we see apparently uh, since they were able to cut the connection, I'm assuming that there there's not also a version of Raven <laughs> in the City of Light because that seems to only happen permanently when uh, somebody dies, as we saw the one guy early on uh, get killed by Murphy and that other. Maybe girl. because I'm not positive because I don't. I think that uh, for sure Allie could make it seem like she's there. So I'm not sure how that works. She's got all the information. Right. I I guess we see that. And she has her image. Yeah. I guess we see that uh, they, that they, that the, the system there is really, while it's also, while it's taking the information, it's also blocking the information. Cause once it's fixed, Raven still remembers stuff and remembers who she is and, uh, and stuff. It's not like it was actually deleting things out of her brain. Right. I think it's more like a almost like a suppression drug, yeah, right? It, like it, they're they just can't remember. It it starts suppressing memories so that you become more cooperative uh and stuff like that, I think, you know, also blocking, you know, pain and all that type of stuff. But uh so I'm I'm interested to see where we go in the next well, we got uh five more episodes, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure how many. They took a two-week break at eight, and I think there was eight more after. So yeah, I think uh, we got five more five more episodes to go, and with that, we'll move on to our fifth episode of the podcast and talk about Orphan Black season four, episode one, "The Collapse of Nature," and it was kind of a <laughs> kind of an interesting beginning to this uh, season where we get to jump back and see a character that we've only seen in little like video flashbacks or little bit here and there uh, where we get like a full, a more full backstory of Beth and what she knew and, and then tie it into a clone that we didn't know about that uh, gets into the mix uh, here at the end of the episode. But uh, Ray, what did you think about the return of orphan black and where we start things off the season? It was a little jarring <laughs> I'm not sure that would have mattered either way like I didn't I didn't go back and rewatch like the last episode of the last season like I normally do so it was a little jarring for me <laughs> and maybe because I didn't quite know where we were starting when I started to sit down and watch um, but that being said I actually really like that we're getting like a look at Beth and a, kind of seeing how that played out from not really her point of view because our point of view with her starts when she's killing herself, but um, like right before that happened and what leads to that. Um, I was a little confused at first, even though they said MK and that's her name, right? The new clone. Right. They said it, but I was actually initially thinking she was the German clone that in the first, um, in the pilot gets killed. Um, So it took me a little while to understand that no, and in fact she was somebody totally new that we had never seen before. Um, so I'm interested to see how that plays out. I mean, I guess it's good because we needed somebody who actually knows something about what's going on. Because um, we've kind of exhausted our links to those power sources, I guess. So we don't really um, know right now what's going on. It's like Sarah would have a hard time knowing what's going on if she didn't have some kind of outside source coming in here. And it's always, of course, interesting to see a new clone show up so that you can kind of get somebody new in the mix. I mean, at some point, they're going to exhaust my interest (laughs) in seeing new clones, but apparently not yet. 
Um, and Beth is not really new to us. We know she existed, but it's kind of interesting to see Beth as Beth as opposed to Sarah as Beth. Um, even though I kind of get now why people bought Sarah as Beth, even though originally, you know, like Sarah really didn't have much information about Beth. So it was just going on the fact that they looked the same. However, Beth has a lot of the same sensibilities, I guess, like the whole the drug issue, the she's kind of she's tough, just like Sarah's tough. So um, I thought it was interesting to see how um, she was playing that, like how the how they were kind of similar, but not quite like, you know, that Beth is not Sarah. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see Beth's story. I don't really know what quite is going on there. It's It was nice to see, not nice, but <laughs> what's his name? Why am I blanking on his name? The doctor. Oh, my God, what's his name? Anyway, whatever. Uh, Dr. Leakey. Thank you, Dr. Leakey. Like, seeing some of those people again, um, and I, even seeing, like, the, the the small glimpses of how, like, Felix was this close to knowing about Beth before <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> since he was right there in the police station. Um, I mean, I think that was obviously because he's a regular and they have to have him. He probably is contractually obliged to be in every episode. So they got to work him in there. Um, but it's fun how they put him in there so that he's um, we see how close they came to actually meeting at one point. So anyway, Scott, what did you think of this episode? Well, I'll admit I haven't tuned in since season one, so uh, there's a lot that, uh, to catch up on. I, I did like the whole body mod scene and the way they portrayed that in the show. The um, the, the the pregnant goth girl that hangs out in the body mod club is, was pretty cute. And I just have a couple of questions. Just a couple? <laughs> First, if you is... Uh, what city are they they supposed to be set in? Because I know they shoot in Canada, but half the people in the cast are British, and the other half are American. What city are they supposed to be in? Is it is it never like is it is it, is it like Metropolis or Central City? I think they're city? actually supposed to be in Toronto. Toronto, okay. I think and so. I don't know that they ever say because they never like when they go to the police station. It never says like you know like in a in a normal show it would say like. Chicago Police Department or 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 Boston PD or something like that on it. So they yeah. you never are quite you're never quite sure where Yeah. I kinda like that. I kinda like the fact that you don't really know. It's kind of a it's just the city. That's pretty cool. Um and then uh the other thing is those 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 larvae, those bugs they're pulling out of people's cheeks, are those sort of like the uh the bugs from Star Trek two, the Rav and Khan? That they uh, they put in people's ears to like uh, um, you know control their minds. Yeah, I don't I don't know. We're just sort of learning about uh, about those. Those are sort of new. I think they sort of popped up towards the end of last season someplace. Yeah, we knew they existed, but we didn't. I don't think we know. But we don't really know like them. what they what they are. I just really enjoyed this episode in that it sort of like you said it gave. Beth's backstory, but it gave us our backstory leading all the way up to the shooting. I found it interesting that they ended up tying that shooting into, like, she was investigating stuff around the clone stuff, you know, and the, the, the body modifications, and and then she ends up accidentally shooting somebody while, while in the middle of that, and, uh, you know, finding out that there's, you know, somebody else in the police station that uh, 
is potentially watching, you know, some of these people. And, and I think sort of going back, I mean, the next episode, I'm assuming we'll pick back up in, you know, the now since Sarah will be sort of coming back or on the run again from where she's hiding out and, you know, coming back to talk to MK to find out, okay, we've got a new clone. What do, what do they know? I like that how they, I thought they did a really good job of tying it all into stuff that had been happening before and that this is, while there's been other clones and, you know, secret government groups and all these things that sort of spun out of control in season three, that they've kind of jumped it back to, this is the real group that's sort of behind a lot of the stuff that's the real problem, uh, it seems like, and so... I don't think that they're going to completely necessarily drop everything, you know, from stuff that came from last season. Like we saw the, you know, the bug implant and stuff, but maybe we'll get back to uh, having, you know, more of the clones working together to uh, try and solve some things uh, as opposed to spread out some like they were last season. And yeah, I would like them to be, I'm assuming the bug is going to be important to, Fixing to addressing the sickness problem, maybe. But I would definitely like to see, as you're saying, the clones be back in the same <laughs> location and not so spread out. Like, isn't Sarah like in Iceland right now? She's somewhere far away. Yeah, she's she's yeah, she's uh, definitely hiding out. Uh, but yeah, so it definitely looks like she'll be back, and you know they're going to have to start to. Uh, working together off of some new information that they get. But I, I really enjoyed the first episode. I thought they did a really good job of, uh, you know, it gave you some, some characters that you hadn't, that you, you know, you saw in different uh, uh, roles. It was interesting to see that, you know, how much Beth was talking with the uh, Cosima and Allison yep. and, and stuff like that. So it was, I thought they did a really good job of sort of tying all that stuff in and uh, creating a, you know, a very interesting episode to to kick things off. Like you said, it was fun to see, you know, like uh, Doctor Leaky back, and because they've had a few characters like that that just have got some really weird, unceremonious deaths, you know, the, that just all of a sudden they're just gone. And you're like, really? I thought they were the bad guy. Like, why are they <laughs> they gone all of a sudden? So yeah, to see some of those things uh, uh, back. I'm assuming that we're going to see that that lady that was talking with uh, Leaky at the the thing where Beth shows up at the book signing uh-huh. or whatever. I'm assuming that she, you know, she's going to reappear back up again because she was obviously uh, in on some of this stuff going on, and so at least on the what I guess on the body mod or whatever on that that side of things. So, yeah. I'm uh, interested. Did uh, for you, Scott? Did it uh, did it pique your interest to get back on board? Unfortunately, no. This <laughs> uh, I would you know. I think I need to start from the beginning, or at least uh, where I left off in season one. You know, there's unfortunately, you know, you know, we live in a in, in a time when there's just so so many other great things to watch. It might be a while. Well, the thing I do like about Orphan Black is that it is only 10 episodes. And so when they do pop back up there, you know, while we're getting the fourth season, there's only going to be 40 episodes. So it's not a, it's not a huge thing to, uh, to do. 
And as I heard someone say on another podcast, when they were somebody was asking, should I continue on with season three or just jump in on season four? They were like, oh, you just skip the rest of season three and jump on to season four. Uh, so you could uh, almost like watch one and two and then jump to, f- you know, you might miss a few. Yeah, but I feel like you're. Uh, yeah, I feel like you come in confused. You might have to watch yeah. a couple of essential episodes in <laughs> season three. Yeah, I think I think you would. Personally, I think you should power through, even if you're, you know, if you're enjoying the show, but you start to get a little bogged down in some of the stuff that happens in season three. I think there's the way the show is built. There's going to be information that you're going to need in that that sooner or later is going to pop back up again and you'll be completely going, wait, where did that come from? If you haven't watched uh, all those episodes. So I'm saying somebody else said that it was the possibility that you could, that you could do that. I don't think so. I'm more of the completionist. Like if you're going to start something and keep going, just keep going. You know, there's something about the hook of the show that, you know, there are all these different clones. They're all played by the same actress. It just doesn't hook me. Uh, the way it has everyone else, but you know I'm a I'm a I'm a sci-fi geek in general, so you know I'm not ruling it out. Yeah, well, I think that's part of the the problem with season three was part of the fun is watching her play these different characters and watching the different characters interact with each other, and we ended up with so much of these characters being split up and interacting with other people and very seldom interacting with each other and building in more and more conspiracy and a whole nother set of other things that happen that pop up in, in season three uh, that uh, it, it sort of felt like it. I don't know. I think most people were watching it for her playing all these different characters, not necessarily for bigger and bigger conspiracies, you know, like bigger and bigger twists that way. Uh, and so I think uh, this felt like, yeah, the, it feels like the conspiracies have gotten a little too... I mean, I feel like they've kind of written themselves into a corner with how that they have her on the run, and they have, like, you got them so big that it's hard to bring her back. <sighs> um, so I'll be interested to see if they're able to do that here in this season, if they even care to do it. Yeah. Maybe they don't think that's important as I do. <laughs> All right, that's that's Orphan Black. And that'll do it for the primetime segment, and we'll move on to the TV recommendations. My recommendation is USA Network's Mr. Robot, uh, the first season, which was, uh, even though there was a point where it sort of pissed me off, (laughs) I still think it was a fantastic 10 episodes of TV that uh, is just uh, different, both visually and storytelling-wise, than a lot of other stuff on TV, and is, is well worth watching. If you haven't but with that also and not just because i'm on the third episode of the podcast but also the uh, mr roboto that's that's mr robot comma oh podcast that uh, is they're going it's a uh, mike moody from the tvi podcast he's bringing on people to talk about each individual episode where they're only talking spoiler wise of things that have happened up through that episode, which was kind of difficult when you'd seen all 10 episodes to only talk about the show in its first two episodes. Uh, But they're doing uh, releasing episodes weekly and it'll basically run into where pretty close to when the second season starts this summer and they'll continue on with the episodes. Uh, So my recommendation is if you were a fan of the show and watched it, I think the podcast would make for a great sort of like refresher on things that happened. 
uh, that you can listen to weekly going into the next season. Or if you haven't watched the show, it makes a great companion to have uh, some interesting discussions about stuff that happens in the show. Uh, and that's my recommendation. How about you, Scott? What are, uh, what are you recommending this week? Well, first of all, I have to concur on Mr. Robot. Uh, in my opinion, it's probably one of the best shows on television right now. And it's definitely one of my favorites. And I just heard about the, the Mr. Roboto podcast today, and I've already subscribed. So I look forward to checking that out. Uh, my recommendation this week is for the AMC series Halt and Catch Fire. The first two seasons are available on Netflix. Halt and Catch Fire is about a group of people who work in the computer industry in the mid-1980s. And um, it's fictional. Um, they've they've um, basically um, created a drama around the, the emergence of the PC and the emergence of the Internet. If you're like me and you've ever worked in a, a company uh, where your creativity is stifled and you just want to... Uh, to build something cool, uh, you might find some inspiration from Mr. Uh, from Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, first two seasons are on Netflix, and the third season's coming this summer. Wait, there's companies out there that stifle their employees' creativity? <laughs> uh, I don't believe it. Uh, that, sounds, that sounds fictional, Scott. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're making it up. All right, yeah, Halt and Catch Fire, I... I watched the first part of the first season, sort of fell off uh, with that one, even though I liked, you know, some of the people in it. And I, I liked sort of the recreation of the time period. But I heard that it got even better from based on reviews and stuff like that that I saw online at the time, that the second season, where they actually sort of changed focus to a lot of the female characters, made the show even more interesting. So, Yeah, I'd have to say that Carrie Bechet is, uh, um, is the breakout star on that show. So there you go. Check out Mr. Robot. Check out the Mr. Roboto podcast. That's at mrrobotpodcast.com. Uh, and uh, check out Halt and Catch Fire. We'll have links to all of those uh, recommendations, as well as the news stories we talked about, uh, and where you can find myself, Ray, and Scott online in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 319. And next week, Amory and I will be joined by listener Suki at Cyberman underscore 151 on twitter jason i have an important question an important question <laughs> are we recording <laughs> we are recording <laughs> okay just checking it's it's good that you, that you asked sorry everybody inside joke <laughs> yes that's right another one of those jokes that if you were listening to us before we started recording would be totally hilarious <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yes, I apologize. I interrupted you. <laughs> but yes, uh, Suki is from the from the UK, so we will be having, as I mentioned before, uh, an international listener uh, joining us on the podcast next week. And also, as I mentioned at the end of the news segment, you can now find TV Times Three and the TV Holic previews if you would like in Google Play Music as part of the under their podcast uh, section. And we'll have links to that in the show notes as well. Thank you, uh, Ray and Scott, for joining me for episode 319. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs>